Amen. Well, welcome to Church at the Creek. We are concluding our series, Rise. And what this series has been all about is kind of, we kicked it off on Easter Sunday. And the whole premise of the series is that the resurrection gives us the power to rise above many things in our life. The first week uh, uh, we talked about how it gives us the power to rise above sin. Last week we talked about how it gives us the power to rise above fear. And today uh, I believe that the power of the resurrection gives us the power to rise above our doubts. I think all of us have had doubts in our life. All of us had had things where we said, I'm not exactly sure exactly how this works. Is this story about Christianity true or not? Is this story of faith true or not? Should I give my whole self to it or not? The resurrection story is the story that should be something that... uh, we all look at, examine, and focus in on to say, are we going to be people that believe and follow without a shadow of a doubt? Or is there more skepticism or things that we should continue to investigate? Uh, the, the resurrection is the most, is the historical event that launched Christianity. It's a historical event. And that is something that, that everybody, if you're, if you're even just on the periphery interested in Christianity, you have to answer, did the historic event of the resurrection happen? Because if the resurrection did happen, there's profound consequences and profound uh, like responses that every single one of us has to have. You know, there's all kinds of questions or doubts that you may have in life. And all belief systems have to answer certain questions. Every belief system does. You know, if you are an atheist or you say, I don't believe that there's a God, the answer that you have to deal with or you have to answer is, where did everything come from? How did it start? And if you go back, even, you know, how most atheists kind of look and say, well, it started with the Big Bang. Well, where, what started before that? How did it all come into being? How did matter exist without matter previous to that? How is that possible? And how does, is there, you know, now, as we know it, human beings walking around, consciousness and awareness of that, and us being able to look out into outer space and figure some of this out. Where did it start? How did it begin? That's a question that atheism has to answer. There's other religions have questions that they have to answer. Um, you know, Islam really has to answer the question of, you know, is there's a lot of right reliability problems with your text. And there's a lot of, you know, things that, you know, don't seem to add up. And you really have one person that is giving an account of something, one witness that is a giving an account of something. And this is something that you have to reconcile with. How does this uh, jive with your belief statement? Well, Christianity really has one question that everything rises and falls on. Did the resurrection happen? Did the resurrection happen? And if the resurrection happened, that changes everything. 
And it's a testament not only to uh, there being a God, not only to the reliability of Christianity, but it's a testament to who God is. And so that's kind of what we've been talking about actually over the last several weeks leading even up to Easter and through Easter is that the resurrection is that milestone moment. But I want to kind of dig into why uh, we would say, I put my trust and I put my hope that there is a God, that God uh, we call Jesus. And the reason of that is, is because of a historical event that took place 2,000 years ago or so, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what it rises and falls on. Because if the resurrection happened, that is a profound truth that everyone has to deal with. Let me just um, give, uh, we're going to read a portion of scripture that seems like something that you could pass by as, hey, just another one of those kind of recaps of the Bible doesn't seem like that profound or different or unique, but is one of the most important portions of scripture in the entire Bible. And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So it's going to come up on the screen, but I'd like you to, you know, you can follow along in your own Bible. Um, But this is a really, really important passage. And if you're really serious about your faith and really serious about investing your life in Christianity, this is some verses that you might want to commit to memory because it's that critical and that important. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1, it says this. This is Paul writing. It says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you when you received and on which you have taken your stand. So essentially, Paul is saying, I want to remind you on what everything rises and falls on, what everything is based on, and the reason that we do what we do and why we are followers of Christ. This is why. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the words I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. This is what everything rides on. Verse 3. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance. And let me just pause mid-sentence right there just to explain. What Paul is saying is, I'm giving you something that has been passed on to me. I'm passing on something that has been taught to me. Um, And this is a really critical statement. Um, Actually, uh, almost all of the the serious scholars believe that this statement that follows, that Paul is passing on to other people, that has been given to him, is something that could not have been established more than 10 years after the resurrection. Uh, Actually, though, most serious scholars say it more than likely dated between two and three years after the resurrection, this statement was established. Um, And these are even some of the most critical scholars of the Bible. Uh, One of them who is an atheist, who is an expert in kind of these, uh, the historical texts. Um, He says the elements in the tradition here are to be dated to the first two years after the crucifixion of Jesus, no later than three years. The formation of the appearance uh, traditions mentioned in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8, falls into the time period between 30 and 33 um, CE, so common era. It happened, this 
has been dated by almost everyone. The, the furthest away is 10 years. But almost everyone says two to three years after the resurrection, this statement was something that the followers of Christ were repeating and passing on and is really regarded as the first creed of the church. So you've heard of the Apostles' Creeds and other creeds like this. This was the first creed of the church that emerged within a couple years after the resurrection. And here's what it says. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep or have died already. Uh, I lost my spot. Um, verse 7. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. He's talking about the fact that, that Paul... Uh, had an appearance of the risen Christ on his way to Damascus, and he is the one that it was kind of unique from all of them. It was after Jesus ascended into heaven. Paul also had an appearance um, of the resurrected Christ. So this is a statement that has been uh, early, early on, and this is what the people and the churches put their, put their faith in. This is the statement that they said, this is what we believe. This is what is foundational to what we do. And this is why we are going to do what we do. We're going to proclaim to the world the risen Christ, the resurrection happened. And these are the statements that they would repeat and they would memorize. And it looks like this kind of a creed that they would say as a, as a way to say, this is the dividing line. Essentially, creeds and statements like this are designed to say, you know what, sometimes there's lots of differences of opinion. Sometimes people have different nuance. There's, you know, in our modern church, there's different denominations that believe different things. But this is what defines the Christian church is these things and these truths. These are the essential elements, and this is what we, everything rises on and everything falls on. These things. That Jesus lived, that Jesus uh, died, he was raised, and he appeared, and it lists all the different people that he appeared to. Okay, now why is this so important? Well, here are some historical facts, and these are things that cannot be denied, no matter whether you're an atheist, you're a complete skeptic of the scripture, uh, these are the historical facts that took place. There was a small group of very powerless people that lived about a little less than 2,000 years ago and, and traveled around 30 miles outside of Jerusalem and around Jerusalem, a small group of people that followed somebody by the name of Jesus who taught them things. And they claim that he rose from the dead. And as a result of that, they spent their life proclaiming this to the world. And this, they endured torture and they endured death. And as a result, millions 
and then billions of people around the world currently adhere to this belief, making it the most influential movement in all of human history. Okay? Those are historical facts. Those are things that are undeniable that this happened. And so the question that we have to ask is, what in the world happened? What happened? Is it possible that, like, this is just kind of one of those weird blips in history that something happened that was, like, amazing and, like, everybody kind of believed in a lie and it kind of spread like wildfire and that, that's where we're at today? Well, this statement is pretty important. And that's why the resurrection is so critical. People throughout history have looked at and examined this historical event and has led thousands and thousands of people to conclude that Jesus is God and we have to live our life in a different way. And so we're going to kind of go through that because I know all of us sometimes have doubts. And I know sometimes even like people ask questions and stuff and you're like, I'm not quite sure. And it's important to really think through, why do I believe what I believe? And I don't think it's, I think it's really important for all of us to like take stock of these important things and think about it. And that's what Paul is saying. We believe in this for very specific historical reasons. So I'm going to kind of go through uh, some questions and doubts that many people have. And really the first one I'm going to spend the vast majority of my time on is the story of the resurrection reliable. Okay, But I think that will lead us to kind of a couple of other questions that I'm not going to be able to get into too much today because of time. But there's other questions that people have with their doubts is, is God good? How about other religions? How about science? Does that disprove God? Some of those other questions, surprisingly, are answered if you believe in a historical resurrection. Surprisingly are. Um, but I'm not going to dwell on that. We want to ask the question, is this story reliable? Because if the story is reliable, everything rises and falls on that. Okay? Um, and so... The first question kind of that you might ask is, you know, did it happen like the Bible says it happened? Um, many people, and many people kind of like look at the Bible from afar and say, you know what, those are kind of nice stories. Those are, those are good things. And, and you know, I, I see that people find inspiration from them, but we know that it didn't happen. You know, that's kind of not true. Kind of almost dismissively. Maybe you've even had that sentiment before in your life. Maybe you're still a little bit there, kind of like dismissively. Like, we know people don't rise from the dead, okay? So, like, great story, whatever. So is the actual account reliable? Maybe people might say that, like, over time, the story changed. It got edited. There was more people that kind of, like, added their little two cents. And all of a sudden, it became a tale that grew bigger and bigger and bigger. A lot of people would kind of discount the scripture as something like that, right? That seems to make sense. But again, we're looking at the fact that this, this statement was three years, at the most ten years, after 
It happened. That's where, it's, that, that, that's where it emerges. There are texts that go back to right after, very soon after, within 30 years at most, after the resurrection, where they're writing these things down. There are hundreds upon hundreds of copies of this and copies that have been found in all other places. And they're consistently the same story time after time after time. The actual text of the New Testament is the most historically uh, accurate ancient manuscript that has ever been in existence. And that is, that is just you know, the history of the actual text. There's hundreds and hundreds of these manuscripts that are pretty far back that are consistent and are saying the same thing. So like a lot of times, maybe you might say, you know, there's, there's some that say this and it's a little bit different and there's bits and pieces. And uh, really, that's not true with the scripture. In addition to that, there's a lot of other sources outside of the Bible that attest to something strange taking place. And they don't even necessarily answer it, and they're not necessarily even believers, but there's ancient uh, historians that are saying there was a guy by the name of Jesus that did miraculous things, and other people, there's a lot of people that are following now. And that's uh, one of those accounts is from the historian Josephus, who was early around that time and was the kind of, uh, one of the famous historians in that era. And he gives an account that this is taking place and this is emerging. And the reason it's emerging is because they follow this guy named Jesus that did miraculous things. And so that's the account. It's not something that emerged a couple hundred years later. It's something from the early beginnings and all kinds of different archaeological evidence that this is what people believed early on. And this is the creed that the church was saying within two to three years after Jesus rose from the dead. And then he gives a list. If you want to go and find out if this is true, here's a list. Here's the people who are witnesses. Not one person that wrote all the scripture or one person that attests to something and told everybody else like some of the other religions. But here's a list of 500 plus people that were witnesses, a list of them. And if you want to right now, you can go and talk to them and ask them, is this true or is this a lie? 500 plus people. The list is pretty interesting because the list says Peter the apostles, 500, James, all the other apostles, so other followers of Christ, and Paul. This is the list that is given in this scripture. Peter, we remember, was kind of the skeptic that ran away when Jesus was being crucified. The apostles all scattered when he was being crucified. I talked about that a little bit last week in saying that the resurrection should help us overcome fear. 500 people is not a small collection of people. And that, that doesn't, 500 people don't attest to an event and it be false. James, all the other apostles and Paul, James is an interesting one. 
James is the brother of Jesus. James did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah when Jesus was walking around and teaching people. And guess what? If your brother, your older brother, said he was the Messiah, you wouldn't believe him either. Okay? James was not a follower. He was not one of the disciples. He didn't believe until after the resurrection. And the scripture says that Jesus appeared to James. And James becomes the early leader in the church in Jerusalem and writes the book of James that is in our scriptures. So the brother of Jesus, and then Paul, other apostles, other people who are around, and Paul. Paul, the skeptic, who was Saul, who persecuted people and put people to death if they believed in Jesus, but encountered the risen Christ and changed everything, and it flipped around. This is the list of witnesses. This is the list of eyewitnesses, and Paul is making this point very clear and intentional to say, if you want to know if it's true, here's the people can, that, can, that are eyewitnesses that can attest to Jesus rose from the dead. And the, this is the list. Go talk to them. They're still alive. Most of them are alive. Some of them have died, but most of them are alive. Go talk to them. They're eyewitnesses to this. And this is what's taking place. So is the story reliable? Is the account reliable? Are the witnesses reliable? Um, All of these things are really importantly crafted and demonstrated in Scripture to show this is what we put our faith in. It's not a blind faith. This is why we're doing what we're doing. So there's other things that could maybe lead you to believe. If the story, maybe the story isn't reliable, maybe the disciples were fooled. Maybe they were tricked. Maybe it was a big ruse that Jesus pulled on everybody. Maybe Jesus didn't really die. Maybe he was badly wounded and injured and he survived it. They saw him and they were fooled. Okay? Well, medically, modern science has now understood the story of the crucifixion to a point where we were not able to understand it in the past. And there's been many, like, scientists that have looked at the crucifixion story medically through the eyes of modern medicine and have concluded that Jesus died when Jesus was on the cross before just to make sure The professional executioners who did this often to ensure, to make sure that Jesus was dead, they shoved a spear in his side and out came water and blood. Medically speaking, this means that Jesus had died. I won't get into it because I don't understand it. But there's medical accounts and records where people have said it's impossible for Jesus to to have lived through this. These were professional killers, and there is concrete medical evidence in the text that Jesus died. Moreover, he was put in a tomb, and he was guarded by other people, and he was, he was laid there and guarded for three days. 
to think that he was like wrapped in a tomb, stuck in that spot and guarded for three days and then all of a sudden woke up, tossed a rock away and was ready to go and everybody said, he's, he's, he's good to go, he's fine, is, is kind of is beyond reason. And people who have gone down the road to think that Jesus was actually, fool, people were fooled into thinking Jesus died, but he really did not. That kind of path or line of thinking has kind of fallen short. So maybe it's possible, other people have thought, that Jesus intentionally fooled people. Maybe Jesus Maybe, maybe he had like a scheme where he had all kinds of different people that were, that were intentionally in on the trick. The problem with that is all kinds of different prophecies in Scripture. The Scripture, the Old Testament Scripture, and you see this statement says over and over, it says, according to the Scriptures, according to the Scriptures. You understand what what um, Paul is talking about. He's not talking about the New Testament. The New Testament at this point, when he's writing this, was not completed. He's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about scriptures that foretold that there would be a Messiah that would come, that he would be born in a particular place, that he would, he would die, and then he would be risen again. And then Jesus shows up, and he tells people, I am going to die, and I will raise again. Okay? If Jesus like, was a con artist that was trying to fool everybody, maybe he had some magic tricks of miracles up his sleeve. Maybe he had some David Copperfield moves. But how can he trick people into where he was going to be born? How can he trick people into how and the method in which he would die. How can he tell people, I will die and then raise again? And then, this one is a pretty profound one that maybe we don't think about a lot. Jesus said, what will happen after I rise is that there will be, my church will prevail and it will be a movement that the gates of hell will not overcome. I mean, I could stand up here and say like ridiculous things, say, you know what? This church in, will like, this church will blow up and do amazing things and I'm going to die and raise again. Well, if it's a, you have to then, then do it. You have to follow through with that. Now there are billions of people across the world that follow the name of Christ and Jesus said it would happen prior to it taking place. Things that he had no control over after he was gone came to be and took place. Profound things that in many ways can only be explained by the divine. Things that are way beyond his control. And there's been many studies and many evaluations about all the predictions about Jesus' life that Jesus fulfilled. And they said that the odds of any one person living in human history fulfilling all of those things that are even beyond uh, anyone's control, many of those things, is just per profound statistical number that doesn't even make any, any sense. So... There are 
Is the story reliable? Did it happen as it says it happened? This statement is very clear about particular things and what it's saying. The text has a lot of, has all the historical evidence. Were the disciples fooled? That seems unlikely or seems kind of crazy. Did Jesus fool people? So many things beyond his control that he could not have control over. He wouldn't have been able to pull off. So did the only last thing that you could like come up with is, did these witnesses lie? Did they lie? So did they get together and all come together and say, we're all going to lie and tell a lie. We're going to tell the world that Jesus rose from the dead. We're going to write it down. We're going to go around and we're going we're, we're to proclaim this thing. So this is a statement from Charles Colson, who was actually arrested um, in the, he was in the Nixon um, presidential uh, cabinet, or I'm not sure if he was in the cabinet. He was involved in the Nixon White House. He went to jail after Watergate. And this, uh, while he was in jail, he started investigating Christianity and found it to be profoundly true and became a Christian. And here's a testimony to what he says about the sources. Particularly, did these sources or did these witnesses lie? It says this, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. And he's understating it. Because as Paul writes in this text, writes in this scripture where he's making his case, this is why we believe in Jesus Christ. He's saying, not only the 12, but he appeared to 500. He appeared to James. He appeared to other followers. And he appeared to me. And all these people continued this, continued this, and were changed and transformed into people that were full of doubts, to people that had no doubts whatsoever. No doubts whatsoever. And so they lived their life proclaiming to the world that Jesus had risen. That's what they did. Those historical facts, if you go back to it, a small group of powerless, unknown people that were concentrated about 30 miles around Jerusalem, attested to the fact that Jesus, their leader, rose from the dead. They spent their life proclaiming this, enduring torture and death. And as a result, millions and then billions of people around the world adhere to this belief. What in the world happened? What in the world happened? And that's what Paul says. This is what we stake our claim on. Very interesting because most belief systems 
stake their claim on something else. They stake their claim on a philosophy, on a way of living, on like a kind of axioms and proverbs that they're going to like guide their life on. Christianity uh, stakes itself on a historical event. And if it happened, it's true. And if it didn't happen, it's garbage. It's worthless. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. And that's what Paul says in this scripture. And this is the evidence in the text. Well, is it reliable? And I know we can go on and on and on and talk about other things and we can get into the details and everything. And if those things interest you, um, I invite you to pursue some more of those things and I can give you some resources. But surprisingly, the resurrection answers other questions beyond just, is this story true? If this story is true, it answers many of the other doubts. Many of the other doubts, a few of them. Is God good? Several weeks ago, we talked about that in the character of God. But if the resurrection is true, then God came to earth. God came to earth and was among us and was willing to die for other people to demonstrate his love for us. It is a profound act that demonstrates not, is it true? It demonstrates the character and the, what, what God is made up of. That God is involved. That God is present. That God cares. That God showed up. That God is there. God loves you. And he's walking with you throughout all the difficulties, struggles, and pains you have in life. And yes, there is evil in the world, but God is willing to walk among us. And he cares and he loves. He's not distant and afar. God is good. God loves you. God is willing to die for you. Again, could be a a whole sermon for another day. But that speaks to that question, doesn't it? Another question that people have, how about like other religions, another faith? Don't all paths lead to God? There's lots of different people that say different things. There's lots of different traditions. There's lots of different faiths. You know, aren't they all like good things that lead to God? Christianity makes a bold claim that we, it is founded on an event, not a philosophy. It's not founded on like, Do we like what Jesus said? Jesus said some good things. Love your neighbor. You know, these kinds of things. Great teaching and philosophy that people would be willing to follow. But let's be clear in what Paul says. Our faith is based on an event that happened. And other faiths have to answer, did did this event take place? Because if it did, it's true. Sometimes Christians get like kind of a bad name for maybe being exclusionary or arrogant in saying that other belief systems or faiths are not true. Well, it's really, that, that's really not the heart of the matter. It's kind of like this. If somebody came up to you and pulled into the parking lot here at Vista Peak and asked you, said, Can you give me directions 
to the mountains. Okay? Can you give me directions then? And if you told them that, okay, well, you go over on Gun Club and you go north, and then there's kind of like a little interchange where you kind of go on Colfax and then you go on I-70, hit I-70, go west, and just keep going all the way up, you'll hit the mountains. They're the giant things poking up out of the sky. Can't miss it, okay? If you tell them that, what you're doing is you're just telling them what is true. If they come to you and you pull up and they ask for directions and you say, all right, well, you go over to Air Park, you go over to Powhatan, turn right, go on Air Park, hit on I-70, going east, you see all those cows and all the fields, just keep driving. Eventually, you'll run into the mountains. Guess what? They're going the wrong direction. So the question isn't, is it mean to tell somebody that's the way to go to the mountains? That's it. The question is, is it true? That's the question. It's not mean to say Jesus is God and is the Savior and is the answer. And I believe it because of a historical event, the resurrection. That's not mean, exclusionary, or, or, or arrogant. It's just, it's just, it's either true or it's not. And there's either a path that leads to God or there's a path where you're out in Kansas with the cows. It's, it's one direction is right and one is not. It's not mean. It's just, is it true or is it not? And so many people kind of, kind of, kind of struggle with that. Well, what, what about those other people and all these other things? Well, we can have a conversation about salvation and all kinds of different things another day. But the question comes down to, is it true or is it not? Is it leading to God or away from God? Another big question people have is, does science contradict Christianity? It's impossible. There's things that are attested to in the scripture that are impossible. Here's what Paul says. Jesus died, and then Jesus rose again. I'm a witness of that. These are the reasons I believe that. Uh, there's lots of different miracles. There's lots of different things that you may look through in the scripture and say, that's hard to believe. Never seen that before. That's, that doesn't seem scientifically possible. Well, let's just focus in on this. If the resurrection happened, the statement that is made is that God, that is outside of our confines of time, space, and matter, did something beyond our ability and rose a dead man from the grave. That miracle, if that took place, makes a bold statement that guess what? God can do things that are beyond scientific understanding and reason. If you believe that miracle, why are any of the other miracles too difficult to comprehend? That's the miracle, if you believe that. So the resurrection is the statement that Christianity is founded on. 
And it's not a blind faith or it's not just an arbitrary thing or it's not like a gut feeling and it's not just like an emotion that people had. It is something that Paul states unequivocally. This is why we do what we do. And this is a statement that we put our trust in and that's it. And everything else has to fall in line. And that's what I, you base your, that's what the church has been based on for thousands of years. So I believe that the resurrection, the event of the resurrection, can give us the power to rise above the doubt. Can give us the power to do that. And I think that God, thankfully, in his infinite wisdom, knew that there'd be some of us me included. They were the type of people that needed, needed some concrete things, needed some things to really grasp and understand, needed something that was crystal clear statement in history. And so God proclaimed to the world once and for all the sign that he would give us, the sign in scripture that was that the whole Bible pointed to, that Christ would die, Christ would would rise. And the church would be founded on this historical event. So the question we all have to ask, is it true? Did it happen? Did the resurrection happen? If the resurrection happened, you understand that's big information. If the resurrection happened, that changes everything in your life. That means there's a God. That means God is, is demonstrated in the person of Jesus. That means the words that Jesus say are profoundly important. That means that Jesus gives us a path for life and he has all of our eternity within his control. That means that every other question, everything else pales in comparison to that truth, and it is the most core, important truth that could ever be a part of your life. It's everything. Everything rises and falls on that. But really what we do sometimes is it's easier to allow disbelief to just kind of still reside in our life. It's easier to dismissively say, well, resurrection might have happened, might not have happened. Because guess what? There's consequence to belief. There's consequence to that. And sometimes, if we're honest, it's almost too much to bear. Really? Is this true? Did this really happen? You know, I've had countless conversations with people. I've, had, I've heard interviews from skeptics. I've heard interviews from experts. And really, it's interesting, at the core most of the time of people's disbelief is they don't want it to be true. They don't want it to be true. Because if it's true, a lot is required of me. It changes my life. Several weeks ago, I showed a video, and we didn't get deeply into it. I showed a video about you know, kind of the famous popular scientist now. Um, what's his name? Rick, help me. Uh, what's that? Stephen Hawking. 
No, 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 the, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. He was asked, do you believe in God? He said, you know what? I see all the bad going on all around the world. And so, you know what? If people say there's God and he's all powerful and he's all good, I don't believe it's true because there's bad stuff around. You understand that one of the premier scientists in the world that is out there talking about things, his argument against God is this. I don't like it. I don't like the story. I don't want it to be true because there's bad stuff in this world. And so, you know what? I, I choose not to believe. It's an emotional answer. And the scripture is saying, we put our faith that an event in history happened. And so that means if it's true, all of it's true. If it's true, I need to follow. You recognize and realize what happened. You heard the stories, you see the list. The people who encountered the undeniable truth that Jesus rose from the dead, they had to respond. They couldn't sit by passively and just like have that information. They changed everything in their life. They went to the ends of the earth and were willing to face death because that truth overrode anything else. The resurrection gives us power over doubt. If it's true, it calls us to something pretty profound. That we need to say, I'm in. I'm following. Will you pray with me? God, you know that we have doubts. You know that we have times in our life where we're, we're unsure. We look around at our world and it doesn't all make sense. And we maybe emotionally say, what's going on? God, I thank you that you gave us this picture. That our faith doesn't reside on feelings or well wishes. It resides on a historical fact that you rose from the dead. If that's true, everything changes, God. And so, God, I believe. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe that God of the universe came into this world, walked among us, taught us what was true in life. I believe, God, that you, you died and you rose. I believe, God, that I can have life after death. I believe you have a plan for me beyond this life, that you have overcome the grave. God, I believe. And I put my faith in you. 
So God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for my, for my doubt. Forgive me from running away from you or going halfway. And God, instead, I just say, God, I believe. I realize because of that, there's a lot that is required of me. I can't sit by. So God, give me the courage to follow you. Give me the courage to walk with you. I invite you in these moments to offer your own prayers to God. There is a big question that you have to answer. Did Jesus rise from the dead? If he did, that means something for every one of us. Take a moment, open your heart. And I believe that people who call out to God, people who seek, people who search, find him. So take a moment right now. Maybe God can show up right here, right now in your life.